0: Come on, let's go. By shortwave broadcast,
1: direct from important overseas capitals, we are about to broadcast
0: this moment in our history.
1: Hello, and welcome to the History Workshop Podcast. I'm Mary Beth Hamilton. Since the 20th century, And perhaps even dating back further, the phrase Black internationalism has served as a shorthand for a range of debates about Pan Africanism and about connections between various parts of the African diaspora. The phrase has also been linked to other connected topics such as anti Black racism, Black political activism, Western colonization of Africa and the Caribbean, anti colonialism, and feminism, to name just a few. So how can we best define Black internationalism, and how might the concept illuminate the variegated historical forces shaping the experiences of people of African descent? Imabong Umoran is a member of the editorial collective of History Workshop Journal and a historian based at the LSE. In today's episode of the podcast, she sits down in conversation with Olivette Otele, who serves as distinguished professor of the legacies and memory of slavery at SOAS, University of London. Their wide ranging discussion explores the history of the concept of black internationalism, the foundations of black internationalist writing and its future as a scholarly field and as a visionary force for political change. So,
2: welcome everyone to this History Workshop podcast. My name is Bong Lauren, and I'm a History Workshop journal member of the collective. I'm also a historian uh, who works on histories of race, gender, and intellectual ideas in the modern Caribbean, as well as the wider African diaspora in Britain and the US. Today, the topic of the podcast is really an in-conversation discussion that centers on the theme of Black internationalism with Professor Olivette Otele, who is going to be Professor of History at the School of Oriental and African Studies, SOAS. Professor Otele is a fellow and vice president of the Royal Historical Society, and her area of research is colonial and post-colonial history and the histories of people of African descent. Professor Atella has been the recipient of several national and international research grants, including from the AHRC, the European Commission RISE, and the Canadian SSHRC also. She is a regular contributor to the press, television and radio programs, including BBC, Sky News, and The Guardian on various topics relating to her research. Her latest books includes uh, the monograph, African Europeans, and Untold History, which was published to wide acclaim um, back in 2020 uh, by Hearst and also an edited volume entitled Post-Conflict Memorialisation, Missing Memorials, Absent Bodies, which was published also in 2020. We're just going to dive in now to some questions broadly around this issue of Black internationalism, um, which will hope to sort of highlight the really interesting work being done on Black internationalism currently, but also how it fits in with Professor Olivet Ortele's own research and interests, as well as mine as well. So the first question that I had to begin this discussion was, there are continuous sort of debates about definitions of Black internationalism and, it would be really nice to sort of start by, by asking sort of how how you define Black internationalism, how you see it operating alongside, perhaps, or in conversation with other terms like Pan-Africanism.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Just one point. I'm now former uh, vice president. Oh, Yes, that, that's okay. I enjoyed my time, but um, I've, I've now stepped down and... and uh, other people are taking on the role and that's brilliant. Now, in terms of the definition, it's it's a movement, but also I see it as a set of practices that center around experiences of people racialized as black. It's also based on understanding, the can, kind of common understanding, if you would, that slavery, colonialism had an impact on people, on communities, on nations, and, 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 and that shaped identities individual and groups and communities trajectories as well. So the, 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 the historical dimensions are, are crucial to understand the histories and legacies of Black internationalism, including Black liberation movements. And, and, and of course, there are political, cultural, and of course, uh, socioeconomic layers to Black internationalism. In other words, class, gender, race, sexual orientation, disability, religion, are all the important points uh, when, when we consider the question, at least that's how I see it. So, so it, it not, it's not necessarily historically only that we, we, we have to look at the question, but I, I can't really envisage Black internationalism without all these points as well.
2: Yeah, I think your answer sort of speaks to the capaciousness, right, of Black internationalism, how it's always been around, I guess, because of the global dimensions of the Black experience, right, Um, racial slavery, uh, capitalism, (laughs) colonialism, all of these features are inherently global, and I think um, Black internationalism has so much to do with our understanding of of globalization, right? Of how the diaspora has always been connected to so many other features, even if sort of historians or scholars, perhaps in the past, haven't given it as much attention, um, but that it has its own history. And that I think in recent years, that history has become so much more popular because perhaps those global connections are seen more, or have more visibility and can be linked to perhaps more contemporary global connections when it comes to activist movements as well. Absolutely. And I think your point also about the intersections, about how Black internationalism crisscrosses with so many other aspects of identity are really important too, right? That when we think about Black internationalism, it's usually always in conversation with, with other things, right? With sexuality, with disability, with gender, with class and this makes it and our understanding of it much more complex right it's not just about one thing but rather it's entanglements with other structures and and also how those structures uh, are shaped by power yes absolutely so yeah i really appreciate that that really expansive understanding of black internationalism and how global it's it's always been I remember when I was a student, I was sort of first introduced and started thinking about Black internationalism through some of the work of historians, mainly based in the States, who were working on Mm. Africana studies. I'm thinking here of Robin D.G. Kelly's article back in 1999 about thinking about the kind of African diasporic dimension, or the diasporic dimensions of Black studies, right? Mm. In his article, um, but a local phase of a world problem, which was published back in the Journal of American History. Mm-hmm. And that, for me, sort of set me on this path of thinking. Oh my gosh, yes, yeah, diaspora has always been so central to the black experience, and that's backed, that. that I think, too, with the kind yeah. of transnational turn that happened in history around this sort of yeah two thousand yeah. moment. Would you agree? Yeah. I would agree. I would.
0: I would emphasize something else. What I, I actually mentioned at the beginning, which is, there's the intellectual debate. There's the vibrancy of exchange of ideas but there's also the practice mm. of, 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 of the whole thing. For me it's, it's a practice as well as a movement yeah. which means that because it's a practice it's reactive and dynamic mm. and um, which means that it's, it's always confronted to other ideas to, to other challenges and which is a good thing actually which helps shapes the, the, the intellectual discussion as well. So the dynamic aspect of it is really,
2: really important, I think. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that stressing the the practice of Black internationalism, the making of it, right, or the doing of it, Mm. I think, again, puts it in conversation with so many other things, right? If we think about social movements, if we think about anti-slavery, if we think about um, anti-colonial protests in the the sort of early 20th century, like it's... It's always in dialogue with, it's always in the process of being made or remade, right? By various um, individuals who take the t- use that label or don't use that label, but but practice black internationalism. And I think you're you're very right to, to highlight its, its dynamism. And I think its dynamism is what is what fascinates me the most, right? How it changes over various geographical spaces, but also historical periods. What interests me too is also how I think. Um, black internationalists work both as practice and also in terms of historical analysis sort of crisscrosses that debates about theory about activism and also about the kind of past and the present so I guess I, I the next question sort of I wanted to ask was to what extent do you think sort of our current sort of political moment shapes the kind of historical research or academic scholarship on on black internationalism? (laughs) <laughs> that is quite interesting because
0: for me it's 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 part of the the challenges we we, we, we like definitions to say fix and we like them to to kind of make sense and it's comforting actually but the the, the the kind of political moments are the ones that redefine constantly the terms and the trajectories so I think it's it's about continuity and and ruptures we are very much the the heirs of of our colonial past collective colonial past you know with a big s Uh, and yet there's a will to to break free from that uh, that is pulling us in in different directions so for example the country the UK wants to know more about the past but there's also the fear about shaking what it seems to be a a kind of stable landscape that has, shaped, um, that has shaped the majority groups' identities and minority groups' identi- identities as well. So we have, on one hand, the colonial um, era, um, powerfully illustrated by uh, Paul Gilroy's work, you know, the nostalgia point of it, and, but also the fear of knowing more about the past if we analyze and teach, for example, Black history in schools in England at the moment, so this constant tension is quite an interesting uh, place to be. It's, it's a painful place to be, but it's an interesting place place to be. Uh, and on the other hand, you have a strong, very strong call from from younger generations, older and younger generations. I, I have to say, I don't want to go to give uh, younger generations all the credit because they're standing on older generations' shoulders, uh, me included. So, so the, the call for for a more inclusive way to, to do history, to do um, all kinds of disciplines actually, and a very strong call for, for gender equality as well. And many other things, uh, not just gender, but many other, uh, other things. So all this has a huge impact on the ways in which we, we envisage black internationalism. So if I give you an example to go back to, it would be impossible to go back to pre-George Floyd's death, for example, uh, there's a sense of opportunity that is, is in the air. Despite the drawbacks and despite the challenges, there's a sense of opportunity to to redefine the premises of the discussions rather than completely focusing on, on the legacies of colonialism. And we are it seems to me that we are focusing on the legacies of the legacies. And I'm thinking in particular, I'm thinking about police violence and the fact that, you know, historically, this is documented, this has been documented. But there's a movement that accompanies the history of police violence that is advocating for police abolition. So it's the legacies of the legacies that we're looking at right now. And of course, it, you know, it's, it's very strong in the US, in Canada, but also in Europe. So these discussions are, again, quite important when we try to understand Black internationalism.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think there's so much connectivity, right, between some of these activist movements that are going on, whether it's movements for abolition, Black Lives Matter, Roads Must Fall. There's so much um, connectivity with, with previous movements, right? There's a kind of way in which, as, you, as you're saying, they're, they're building on a legacy and another legacy of historical legacies, but also very much in tune to how, how those histories of those legacies are being understood today, Right So how much, let's say abolitionist movements and, and the radicalism of abolitionist movements really is drawing on in, in in some ways a kind of radicalism of the of the 60s and 70s, um, but it's also very much attuned to sort of contemporary 2022 politics and the the ways in which we we can't escape the current context. I think you're I think you're right. I think the events of of May, June, 2020, we're still sort of grappling with, we're still um, trying to really fully understand, even alongside the kind of pushback, right, or the resistance to wanting to address those colonial histories and their legacies in the present, how there there is, and perhaps there always has been, a a resistance to telling Black histories, to telling histories of the past that some may find really uncomfortable. I think there's a really long (laughs) Legacy of that that has shaped the ways in which schools teach history that are shaped the way the, the academy does history or does not do history or certain types of histories I should say mm-hmm. so I think there's always been this close connection between how black internationalist research or black history much more broadly is discussed and debated and how how much how closely it's tied to contemporary issues because these issues of colonial legacies are so entrenched I would say and and so long. would you say wouldn't you say that
0: they, they entrenched but somehow somewhere they kind of morphed into something else yeah it it, it it's mm-hmm. colonial legacy but for me it's I think it's symptomatic of something else <laughs> what's the word I say mallet which is an ease about a triumphant legacy. I don't know mm-hmm. if it makes sense, but there's a, a certainly a sense of an ease, even, even in the midst of glorification mm-hmm. of the past. There's this affirming desire to, to over glorify it. That, for me, is symptomatic of something uh, um, profoundly disturbing within society, you know, profoundly dis- disturbing even for those who. Support this idea of a, of a beautiful past. Why do you need to insist on a beautiful past if it's if it's so beautiful? You know, why do you need to to defend it so virulently in a way that becomes obsessive?
2: That's such a good question. and I have absolutely no answer to, but <laughs> you raise really an important point That's about a rhetorical question. I know <laughs> about the the politics of memory and the politics yeah. of history. Right, how history becomes for some so vital to their their place in the world or their their vision of, of the world and what it should be mm-hmm. um a really simple vision of the past that that as we know as historians just never really existed right but how some people hold on to that perhaps because of the 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 change in dynamics of the world right it's mm-hmm. part of some people i think to attempt to sort of understand what's going on in a time of rapid political, economic, social change, how history becomes this, how history becomes more important for some. But you're right, there is this exactly. tension between, you know, this, this simple ver- version of, of, let's say Britain's colonial past, or Europe's colonial past, the reality of that and how, how unease, how myth, how nostalgia all become sort of wrapped up in this and how murky the the primary sources that we study then become right Mm. or at least for those people who who do want to subscribe to this very rosy picture of the past and how golden it used to be and how terrible things are now perhaps. Mm. So I guess linked to that and and sort of moving on to a to another question that i had sort of to go back to to the earlier questions about sort of definitions and i think now we're kind of talking more about this relationship between the past and the present Mm. what would you say do you think are the sort of advantages and and perhaps disadvantages of of taking a black internationalist perspective Mm of many,
0: I'm just gonna kind of go over the ones that I think are perhaps important. The Advantages are definitely centering black voices, black experiences. Uh, It means looking at struggles, it means looking at victories, but also collaborations Um, and in in the longer kind of long durée, uh, longer period of time to see the changes. It also means working of course on transnational trajectories working in global histories, I love working in global histories, Um, because I think it, it, you know, with Black internationalism, it's the the ability to provide macro and micro information that are really crucial to understand kind of patterns, uh, crossroads, and and differences. Um, I I think these are fantastic. And from uh, perhaps an ethical viewpoint, we are kind of forced to reconsider our our perspective as researchers as well. So learning about or working on Black internationalism is I think it's a it's a humbling experience because we are forced to constantly uh, revaluate our position, even as Black researchers from the global north. The way it forces us actually to reevaluate our position is it's also a safeguarding tool against well arrogance um, and complacency. And if we go constantly you know, it forces us to to constantly go and question the the coloniality of power, almost intrinsic in our research as as scholars based in the global north. So that is is really important for me. And from another personal viewpoint, um, I was trained as an 18th century historian who uh, was expected to focus on on, um, the colonists' histories and stories and trajectories. And I was eager to, to understand the colonist uh, mentality. And I think <laughs> I did, but I always felt there were certain voices that were missing in that stories, in those grand narratives and, and stories. And, and the story, the full story remained completely, um, remained incomplete because they were not told by the, the colonized, but within the colonized, the marginalized within the colonized, the women and, and so on and so forth. So so. Aligning that and bringing memory studies to that helped me shape my, my intellectual journey. And at the time, as a historian, I had a hard time. I mean, it was very hard for me doing my PhD to, to, to bring that historical aspect and to insist, actually force my, my supervisor in, in La Sorbonne to consider that I wanted to do a PhD on both the history and memory of, uh, of, of, of enslavement. And, and eventually, well, they, they accepted my, my approach to it. Some find it exciting, other less so. But, but I needed to to do that, to, to, to have a broader understanding of, of colonial spaces. So I think, you know, uh, studying Black internationalism from that viewpoint is, is, I mean, has been an amazing experience for me.
2: Yeah, I can definitely sort of agree with, with what you're saying. I think there is a real importance and and a real joy in centering the experiences of of in particular um, people of African descent who have been so um, overlooked in in these grand historical narratives and to trace these continuities to trace black internationalist connections over over longer periods of time that's what I enjoy so much about your your book African Europeans was the ways in which you were telling this really broad um long duet history and centering in particular voices that I, I myself hadn't heard of and teasing out how these Black internationalist connections are changed over space and over time um, in a really fascinating way. Mm. Yeah. I think some some critiques or some sort of debates around Black internationalism and not so much disadvantages but I would say probably more critiques come with this question about the nation and perhaps the relationship between uh, the nation state and, and transnationalism there are debates about the the kind of position or place of african studies within black internationalism do you have any thoughts on these these issues these these debates i i think in a way i'm laughing
0: because i think in a way they you know everybody's opinion is, is, is really is valid and is it And it's important and and actually add values to to the discussion. But Mm -hmm. I don't see things as exclusive as this. I don't see one existing without the other. I think they bring more to the question. Uh, You know, the nation states and the transnational, they don't oppose each other. Mm -hmm. They exist and there's room for both of them. Are they contradicting, um, uh, contradictory? It depends which viewpoints, because as a Black internationalist, we, we think nation-states as well as transnational
2: and global, mm. you know, there's no exclusive exclusivity. Yeah, yeah, I think they're constantly in dialogue, as you yes, said, exactly. one can't exist without the other. I think there's so much conversation, uh, connectivity, they're, they're, in, they're in dialogue. Um, Absolutely, they're in dialogue. Um, I
0: think perhaps the, um, the disadvantage, but I don't see it as a disadvantage, but the drawback is that mm-hmm. people can reduce the discussion and think that when you say Black internationalism, uh, because of a common understanding of pain and trauma, this is going to be all about pain and trauma. And um, there are indeed elements of trauma within that, that you know, from the historical uh, perspective. But I think that pain and trauma can become resilience and creativity. So it, it really depends on how you position yourself and how you analyze things. They can they can actually become tools to um, for, for recovery, tools for reconciliation, and and so many other things as well. So I don't see it as as, as um, um, I don't see these as as, as disadvantages. Perhaps also and. When you say Black internationalism, the term Black can be reductive and and completely based only on phenotypes. This is where the contention can be and the discussion is actually challenging and important when you consider that it's not all about people of African descent because there are other people who can define themselves as Black uh, in the Pacific and yet they don't come into the discussion when you talk about Black internationalism. And I think this is one of the challenges that is at the core of, 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 of the term Black internationalism. Uh, but it is, again, it's a challenge, but an interesting one. I read uh, Rabbi Shillian's, um, yeah. I can't remember the title, you know, when he talks about Pacific, America, mm-hmm. Africa, and the, the phenotypes and the idea of Black internationalism. I think it's challenging and it's important to have these discussions as well.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think some of the most interesting research on Black international. Nationalism is for me are those studies that do look at connections between let's say afro-asian communities and yeah. um, the black atlantic and the black pacific that really do try yeah. to to grapple with the complexities of the terms in which we use right to grapple with the complexities and changing nature of blackness in different geographical locations to think about the legacies of colonialism in different parts of the world works that make complex language and language differences, right? Mm -hmm. Black doesn't always translate in the way that it does in English and other languages. And this is what I find really interesting in terms of sort of current scholarship that's kind of pushing um, and expanding our understanding of Black internationalism beyond, let's say, the Atlantic framework. Yes. Beyond the Anglophone world, for instance.
0: Yes, exactly. I, w- I would add that, you know, when you see Black internationalism, you know, contemporary France, 21st century France still has a hard time saying Black as Noir. So that it's in itself is an interesting place to be and a debate to be had, really.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree. I think um, this issue of language and how, how varied it is, also, how, how complex the colonial legacies in shape those debate shape these contemporary debates about language are really, really fascinating and really important. And again, make, make complex our understanding of race of racial identity, of how race and racism shift over time as well. So drawing on this, are there any, I think you mentioned Robbie Shilliam's work. Um, but are there any other sort of recent works on black internationalism that you've read that you've recent that you've really admired or enjoyed? Uh,
0: yes, I mean so many. I, I'm gonna I need to take time to really pay homage to these people because I'm so in awe of what's hap- has been happening in the last you know decades and, and years. Um, but before I actually do that, I wanted to, to kind of talk about very briefly about the four, four, three or four people whose work remains essential to me. And I constantly go back to, to that, to their work. Um, Anna Julia Cooper doesn't didn't define herself as a black internationalist, but her work, my goodness, powerful, she remains to me a model when it comes to pedagogy, when it comes to education of girls, uh, and, and, um, you know, and mobilizing, mobilization, mobilizing uh, crowds and people, organizing people, powerful. And, and I think we don't talk enough about her work. You know, uh, she was a precursor in many ways, from you know, her work, voice from the South, the letters, the essays to her doctorate uh, on the French, in, France and slavery. And actually she was the one who shaped my journey as to why I choose to go to a South work on, on slavery. So that's, that's one person. There's of course, Hendrick Johnson, uh, Robinson's Sorry's work on racial capitalism. Like internationalism again, I, I need to read it uh, on a regular basis. France Fanon, mm. but also uh, Wangari Matai's perspective on uh, conservation, women's women's historical role, and their and their rights. And this is a more personal touch because uh, my grandmother was an environmentalist, mm. an environmentalist, and uh, you know passionate about the rights of girls and women, and and it's all linked together to this notion of understanding the world, using that lens to understand the world, um, uh, you know, the, the ecological aspect of it. And that place where women are empowered in a way, or take power actually, not empower, they take power and and, and create change practices, practicing black internationalism. So yeah, I felt passionate about those ones. But about the recent ones, oh my goodness, yeah. Um, I have many, so I actually, Kind of thoughts of uh, um, I'm thinking about a few. I'm thinking about sociologists uh, from Concordia University, uh, Ossian Jesaux, uh, and I'm thinking about her latest article. It's it's lessons from protests and pedagogy, Caribbean feminism and radicalism, past and present. So it's 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 2020 uh, published in 2020. Uh, sorry, 2022 this year, and, and it's an important publication because it looks at the legacies of Caribbean student resistance in Montreal in 1969, and you will see the parallel between uh, May 68, what's happening in students' movements right now, and it's, it, and it's powerful. I'm also thinking about, because I just came back from Concordia as well, so I'm, I'm also thinking about uh, the work of gender studies and theorist, uh, Nathalie Batraville. Uh, I love her work on women's body her research on mutilated bodies under the Duvalier regime in Haiti, but also her more recent work, Black Women, Black Women in Power, Beyond Scandal, sorry, Black Women Beyond Scandal. And in there, she examined Black women in colonial spaces and more generally, how her work places Black women uh, within the sphere of Black internationalism and Black women's body as or or, all biopolitics. Again, I mean, I'm just, (laughs) this is good. This is so good. I, I have a long list I have I hope you have time I need to tell to talk about to talk to you about these people there's a S- do. <laughs> their work on the notion of justice gender for Europeans trajectories is outstanding Camilla Hawthorne's her book she just announced her book is you know came out yesterday uh but I've uh, you know I've read a lot of her her articles and the way she framed um, Alexandra Di Maio's notion of Black, uh, the Black Mediterranean, but she, she, she does it in practice, meaning she takes examples of practices of, of Black, in the Black Mediterranean. It's, it's just staggeringly um, good. And then there's uh, Tiffany Flauville. She works on Afro-German uh, women and her current research is on uh, the poet, um, educator uh, um, Maya Yim and her work, that work is incredible. And because it opens the door to something else, which is black internationalism using uh, bio, bio, biography, the biographical lens, and, and this is my reading. I don't know if <laughs> it's her reading, but we'll have this conversation with her at some point. My reading of her, her work is how she she really looks at black internationalism, the notion of activism, but also andragogy in May Ayim, Ayim's uh, work. You know, ed- the education, adult education and constant education as an activist is really something uh, that is um, powerful. And then there's you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think somebody <laughs> needs to say it. You know, your first book, it was a landmark. You know, it brought feminists, post-colonial, anti-racism, decolonial perspectives and, and, and black internationalism. And, and I really enjoyed reading it. The Journeys of Atlantic Women. Um, Thank you. That's so back okay. to yeah. Martinique, um, Jamaica. It was important to put these layers and to put these women at the forefront and these voices as well within the broader context. So there are echoes there. Um, if if there was um an edited volume I would recommend. It would be Kisha Blaine and uh, Tiffany Gill's edited volume. I think it's Black Women and, 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 and the Complexities of Internationalism. Uh, I, I might miss, you know, misspell the title, but it's really an important one because it's, a, mm. it, it's, it's broad, it's, it's fabulous, it's a women's perspective as well. Mm. There's also somebody I want to mention, which is Rose Tande. She, she just had a, a post... Uh, at York University, and she's working on, on African women. I think her work is incredibly generous because she allows us, even help us consider black internationalism, but from a, a feminist perspective, but also a French speaking perspective and how she, she kind of redefined the, the notions of, of woman, womanhood and, and girlhood. I think mm-hmm. a very, very generous uh, piece of work. Anyway, all these, these have, I think the ability to just I don't know, to just transform our perspective on the question, and they are important, uh, so so important, and and I'm incredibly grateful, I don't know all of them, but I'm incredibly grateful for their work.
2: Yeah, I was nodding my head in agreement with all the stuff that you were saying, I think there's so much really exciting work going on, on the intersections of of gender and Black internationalism in particular. (laughs) Um, that I think for, for feminist scholars and feminist historians it's really really exciting to, to read all of this new work to discover these new women um, or to or to learn more about them right in many ways there's a really important act of, of recovery that's being done when it comes to issues of black feminist internationalism that I find really really exciting and that I think is really pushing the, the the field of black internationalism in really interesting and new directions and I also really appreciated the kind of look back to think about and center figures like Anna Julia Cooper who you're so right is so foundational to black internationalism her work her activism is so critical to how we understand the term um as well as Cedric Robinson who I I think yeah as you said I always have to return to because I'm always learning new things every time I read his work mm-hmm. um and and the same goes for um for the others right the fan on and I think that they their work is still so influential in this sort of current wave of, of new scholarship on, on Black internationalism. I thought mm-hmm. the concepts that they introduced, they're being redefined, rethought of in different ways now. And that's, that's really exciting. And again, highlights what we talked about earlier about the, the kind of dynamism of Black internationalism, yeah. of how it's, it's a practice, it's a movement, it's historically constituted, but also politically present today in so many ways and that's what what makes it so so fascinating my other question was I mean your work falls under this this spectrum of, of black internationalism but it also talks about so much more as you mentioned you to work on memory um, you work on the kind of legacies of of racial slavery in the in the present um, to what extent do you think that the other black internationalism I guess captures your research as a term or do you think it kind of goes beyond that and looks at other things
0: um oh I don't know if (laughs) if it's other things or I I I think it's all I I see them as
2: in conversation
1: yeah in conversation
0: that's that that really is
1: because
0: (laughs) it's 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 coloniality the power structure mm. it's also about you know power structure resistance on the other side but it's also about beyond that the uh, i mentioned the creativity uh, creative mm. aspect of things resilience but creative you know beyond resistance is something else that's that is born that is not in dialogue with the oppression but is to do with new identities new ways of of, of looking at the world and, and new ways of of shaping the question about social, racial, gender justice and and all these things. So I I, I think that the opportunity that memory studies have given me is really that because um, I'm I'm of course a historian and a a memory scholar, but within the memory studies, you have a constant dialogue between sociology, of course, philosophy, Mm psychology, even psychoanalysis uh, and arts, and the ways in which our identity is represented into the rural and urban landscape. The need that we as human beings and as communities, we need to kind of present and perform our identities uh, is quite an important um, aspect as well of my work. So so it's black internationalism and all these things uh, that are also in dialogue with that. It's also about, of course, gender. Gender is at the forefront. Even when I don't mention it, my position as a researcher is always there and uh, I want to be as, as, as truthful as possible, which is not always expected Or all. Um, at least when I was doing my PhD, my gender, my background, my identity, I was asked to push them aside to do a proper work as a historian. As if, you know, <laughs> those were not coming into conversation when you do, even when you look at the kind of um, archival material and so on and so forth. So, but anyway, this is where, where what I have been doing the last perhaps 20 years. But this, the work is constantly shifting. And my, in my position, so as what I want to focus on is more to do with um, the with legal aspect of things. My, my PhD was on history and memory and politics. And um, I want to bring into the conversation the legal aspect, which is the legal aspect around questions of restorative justice um, that has been studied before, but in conversation with everything that I mentioned before that. So memory, politics, and the law, what the law says about all these questions and how, as, um, as a Black feminist, that, that, that shapes my, my journey, my research as well.
2: Well, that sounds so fascinating um, to centre. Yeah, the law is going to be, I think, a really an important addition to to these conversations about, about justice, which are becoming so, so critical to our, our, current, um, our current moment. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> So the kind of last question to sort of wrap us up nearly, I mean, I think we kind of covered it in a way in our discussion about past and the present and, yeah, the contemporary issues that we that we face with rising anti-Black racism and violence, but do you have any thoughts on sort of why you think Black internationalist research sort of continues to grow in popularity? Is it something to do with our present moment or is it something to do with just the historical legacies of colonialism, which I guess are inescapable in, in some ways. I think it's,
0: it's really a, a bit of both. Mm. Um, I'm somebody who sees the glass half full, so I think it, it, it's it's popular because of the hope mm. it it, um, it offers, the mm. possibilities and the the realm of collaborations, the extent of organizing, of of organizing ourselves into making our societies better places to live. I think this is, this is it for me. This is why it's popular. It's popular because people see through other examples, through a comparative approach that there are things to be done and there are things that can be achieved. Otherwise, you and I wouldn't be here today talking about these things at all. Mm-hmm. So there, are, there is progress that has been made. There are steps back but there is progress as well. And how do we capture the tools to, to make the, the, those progresses and to achieve that is really uh, the essence of all this. And that's why I come back to the practices that are so crucial to the whole discussion.
2: Yeah, thank you. I, I, I definitely agree. I think there is an excitement, I guess, in understanding the complexities of the contemporary world through Black internationalist historical lenses right to understand new collaborations or to try and I guess stress that new collaborations between different activist groups across different geographical locations aren't aren't that new right that they have a historical legacy that attempts to create collaboration across racial boundaries to challenge colonial driven power structures that still shape our our world that there's a there's a history to that and that there are ways in which you can model you can learn you can understand the world in a much more complex and different way if if you take seriously black internationalism and black histories globally i would argue
0: yes there's that and i, um, I might add that it's within and outside black internationalism because the mm-hmm. of collaborations are where the hope comes from mm-hmm. yeah. um, the gender aspect is crucial or gender the uh, you know sexual orientation religious uh, affiliation all these points of junctions are the ones that will make our fight uh, successful our fight for equality and justice successful because this is where we meet we mm-hmm. all the same thing even if we're situated in different uh kind of realm we we want the same thing better lives
2: you know yeah it it sounds know a bit that. cheesy but happiness no <laughs> It's true, and it's important to repeat, especially in times of political gloom. Right, that there are coalitions that that there yes. are, and um, there is a desire for change, and that that desire yeah. can be can be small, it can be on a on an emotive level, but it can also be transformative. It can be revolutionary, mm-hmm. and achievable, and achievable indeed. Um, On that note, I think it's probably a a good way to sort of wrap up. Are there any other reflections, thoughts that you you would like to share before before we sort of wrap up and conclude?
0: No, no, it was uh, such a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much.
2: And such a pleasure to talk with you too. Your work has been so influential to mine and I'm so excited about your current research and and future projects. So we really appreciate the the time you've taken to share your reflections and thoughts on Black internationalism and look forward to to future collaborations and and your future research. So thank you. Thank you very much.
1: Many thanks to Imabong Mouran and Olivet Otele for taking part in this conversation and for making it happen to begin with. You can read more about both their work on the episode page for this podcast please visit our website, historyworkshop.org.uk. You can find us on Twitter at HistoryWO and on Facebook and Instagram as History Workshop. This is the History Workshop podcast. I'm Mary Beth Hamilton. Thanks for listening.